0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Best Seat on the Couch, the podcast where we discuss whether or not we have imbibed, will imbibe, or plan to imbibe Szechuan sauce. My name is Alex. I'm Iris. I'm Marcus. And I'm Michael. And today, we are talking about the animated television series, Rick and Morty. The series was created by Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon, aired in December 2013 and has gone on to run for four seasons with season five on its way. The show revolves around the titular Rick and Morty and follows the grandfather and grandson duo as they embark on sci-fi adventures across different dimensions and realities. The series received critical acclaim for its humor, as well as its more philosophical moments, winning the Emmy Award for Outstanding Animated Program in 2018 and 2020. And, as always, there will be spoilers. So, with every show that we tackle, I like to throw us back to the first times where we each uh, experienced the show we're talking about. And for me, I, I... picked up Rick and Morty, uh, it came out in 2013. I think I watched it not until 2016, right when season two had finished airing. And I watched it in college, and I had no expectation for it at all. And I came out of it uh, liking it. I personally liked it. Uh, I mean, I thought the show was funny. I thought that some of the episodes, the way that they were constructed were pretty clever, and uh, had really interesting concepts behind them. And overall, I uh, was waiting to see more as the show came out in season three and season four, but I kind of fell off from there, and I haven't watched the later two seasons since then, only a couple episodes here and there from our uh, recommended episodes that Marcus gave us this uh, for this episode. But what about you guys? What were your first experiences with rick and morty and what were your first impressions of the show or impressions of the show you still have right now
1: well alex you have your uh traditions for the beginning of this podcast and i have mine i'm going to chime in first and say that i don't remember the first time i watched this show specifically <laughs> every <laughs> uh, time i i think it was i mean it must have been roughly around the start of season three um yeah, around that time you know uh, when it was really kind of having its not its 15 minutes of fame because it's definitely more famous than that but I think I think that was probably around the time it was like most keenly in the public eye um, I had a friend in college who uh, showed me a couple episodes I watched a couple episodes on my own you know nothing so thorough as like actually watching through the show just you know snippets here and there uh, like piecemeal picking out episodes to watch and you know, at the time, I, I really kind of flip-flopped back and forth on my opinion about it. And in the intervening years, I think my opinion has settled more, but I'll, I'll save that for our, our next uh, section.
2: Uh, well, uh, I began watching it, I think, around the same time. It was in college, so it had to have been probably 2015 or 2016. Um, I think it was Jess who recommended it to me after watching a couple episodes and, uh, yeah, it was just something that I watched through the entirety of, uh, I've been, I kept through on, on pace with season four's release as stunted and divided as it was. But, um, yeah, I, I really enjoy the show. I think it's very funny. Um, I think the, uh, I think the kind of, the cleverness of it, like, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like, Oh, you have to have a very high IQ to understand Rick and Morty. Um, I I I enjoy that aspect of it. I think it is. It gives it an edge over other shows that kind of don't have that. And I think uh, Justin Har- or Dan Harmon is really talented at writing these things. And I think Justin Roiland is really talented at voicing these characters. So, yeah, it's just something that I. What I like about it is that there's no real kind of plot thread that drives the show along. Most of the shows, the episodes are kind of standalone. So you just pick it up, you watch it. You get a couple gut busting laughs and there you done. You're done. So that's how I treat it.
1: You mentioned the uh, the release schedule of season four. I'm not actually like clued into what that was, yeah, but I just thing. have to ask like Steven Universe level hiatus. You know, terrible airing. Like worse, better. Where'd you put it?
2: Similar. Uh, I think for season four, especially the first couple episodes uh, were in November and December of last year. And the next batch were in May of this year. So So it's like a a bunch
1: of little hiatuses and stuff.
2: Yeah. And I think it was not as pronounced in season three and season two, but you know how it would be.
3: Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, for me personally, I have not seen a single episode of Rick and Morty uh, until two days ago. And uh, obviously, like, you know, I'm on the internet. So (laughs) I've seen some memes and whatnot about it. I you you so, could
1: just hear the capital letters on the internet,
3: on on the internet, um, and you know like some things I didn't even know were from Rick and Morty. I was like, oh, that's from Rick and Morty. That's cool. Um, but uh, other than that, yeah. So watching uh, a few of the episodes, not all of them, obviously uh, Marcus recommended some. Um, I like I think at the start, I. I came in with very little expectations because I had heard that the show was, like, controversial or, like, at least not necessarily controversial, but, like, polarizing. Like, some people absolutely love the show. Some people, like, hate the show. Um, So I came in, like, I don't even know what I'm getting into. Uh, But, like, of the episodes I watched, I, like, really enjoyed myself. I wouldn't say that, like, I absolutely love it or adore it or that, like, it made me laugh terribly But I think that I admire it more for what Marcus said, was this sort of sense of fast-paced cleverness that not a lot of shows have, which, like, again, I don't want to get into the meme, but (laughs) I appreciated how smart it was. Because, you know, TV shows can be smart, not just Rick and Morty, but I do think that the way they did it in this show, at least in in specific episodes that I did watch, um, was really enjoyable, and I honestly like. I'm not usually one for like meta commentary episodes, but I really enjoyed the way and, and the way they did it in, in this show, at least so far. But uh, yeah, I kind of want to watch the rest. That's that's where I'm go. at right that's now. That's the
0: spirit. Mm-hmm. Let's go. <laughs> I, I will say I will say my when I first watched because I watched it chronologically. Um, I will say the first episode of Rick and Morty kind of just throws you in no holds guard um and personally i feel like the the way that they introduced rick and morty like rick busting into morty's uh, bedroom like early in the morning didn't really hook me in at first it took me it definitely took me a couple episodes to really get on board with the what the show was offering um so yeah I, i can definitely see why some people would not like the show uh in the first place uh, i think it does take some getting used to and does uh, takes like a certain sort of mindset going in to uh appreciate it but uh, marcus what you said the fact that this show is episodic by nature it's something i'd like to talk about because a lot of adult swim shows tend to be episodic uh i i can't think of one off the top of my head, animated ones, that is that don't have that sort of episodic structure but Rick and Morty it at least hints at a sort of overarching story arc I mean they have recurring characters they have uh, was it the Citadel of Ricks that keep coming back, uh, places they revisit, and there is some I consequences, for lack of a better word, that uh, follow Rick and Morty throughout uh, the episodes. Like, what they do in previous episodes do still impact them in future episodes. And I wanted to get your guys's, uh, a sense of what you guys thought about that structure. Do you think that that balance between a sort of continuity and episodic episodes is that well done or do you think that it's a weakness that the show has
1: well i mean i think uh more than anything else it's not i don't think it's something you should even talk about as like a strength or a weakness i think it's just a different type of storytelling um you know, what recently comes to mind on the show, we talked about Star Wars The Clone Wars a couple episodes ago. And, you know, that too, there was a big discussion about like the type of storytelling, you know, this moving away from the narrative arcs, more focused on sort of the sort arc storytelling, the anthology type stuff. Uh, I think really more than anything, like having having these sort of disconnected you know, self-contained adventures, they even like say it in the show, you know, in, in their sort of fourth wall breaking moments, like these self-contained adventures is just kind of the story that they've chosen to tell or the stories, plural, that they've chosen to tell.
2: But, but I think at the same time, like obviously for the first and the second season when the show was more new, they had the ability to kind of just toss episodes out there and, you know, get a feel for who, you know, enjoys Rick and Morty. I think beginning with the third season, you start to see more episodes that kind of focus a little more on Beth and Rick's relationship as father and daughter. You see a couple more kind of threads about Rick's depression, especially at the end of some episodes. You see a couple more episodes uh, involving Summer, who I think people tended to think were, was underrepresented in the first couple of seasons. So, like, I think as the show has evolved, uh, so too have its abil- has its ability to kind of touch upon a couple of small things and i will say as as iris put it you know they're they're small things they're kind of side plots they're not necessarily you know going to be seen in every episode afterwards as part of like a an overarching plot line. this is more kind of something that you can keep an eye on or something that is being slowly but surely built upon as uh, the episodes get air- get air.
3: and i think that one of the things that i definitely noticed after uh, watching one particular episode, which is the first episode of episode four, sorry, Jesus, of season four, um, that, like, I think, okay, so, again, as I say, the one thing that I really appreciated about this show was its cleverness and its sort of fast-pacedness, but I also really appreciated, like, it almost felt like Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland were, like, they weren't making a show. It's It's like they're talking to me. Like, oh, you like this show, huh? You like this show, huh? Well, how about this? How about this, huh? And, like, in the first episode of season four, right after, uh, spoiler, uh, Rick dies, um, like, he wakes up in an alternate reality where Morty is like a Nazi, and Morty's like, okay, we're going to go on normal adventures. What is this thing? Yes, let's use the, the, the me 6 We like this, right? We like the V 6 They're good merch. And so I'm like... It's, like, obviously, you know, it's them commenting on the fact that the audience wants a return to sort of forms. Like, this third season was very much kind of different in that sense. But, like, I I don't know why. I I love that shit. It's like, <laughs> it's like Dan Harmon just, like, screaming to me in my face. Being like, how about this? Do you like this, huh? Um, And I don't know. I like it.
1: So, I I want to point out uh something about what you said earlier alex you're you're sort of prompt for this part of our conversation you were talking about sort of the the through line of plot you know things that show up in multiple episodes you know callbacks to other episodes uh you know prior events that have you know relevant consequences in the present you use two different words to describe that and i promise i'm not nitpicking here but you at separate times you said you were talking about consequences and continuity and I kind of want to bring attention to that for a second, because I think those are two very different things, because I, I think, you know, when you're talking about, you know, in like, for example, the big one, I think in the in the episodes that uh, we focused on in our prep work, the, uh, the one in season one where, you know, Rick Cronenberg's the world, and then they go to the alternate world where there's this, a, a dead Rick and Morty, they bury them in the background. And then beginning of season three, they dig up the dead buried Rick body to get the portal gun that is buried with him, right? Things like that, I would call very strictly in, I would call that continuity of episodes, you know, continuity of storyline. Because I think when I talk about like consequences in storytelling, for me, that's very specifically about like character arcs, character things. And one of the things that I you know plan to talk about at some point while we're having this conversation is how I don't think there's any real consequences for a lot of character actions. So I want to draw that distinction now.
3: Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. At, at the same time, though, I think that they know that, which is why the Vat of Acid episode exists in the first place. Did you watch that
1: one? I did not. I have heard about it. I don't think I actually, I didn't actually like watch it.
3: Okay. To quickly sum up, basically after like a dumb idea from Rick and Morty being like, this was a dumb idea. Morty's like, let's make a, let's make a thing that's like a save point. So you like can press a button, it saves and you can press a button and go back to it. And there's an entire montage of, like, Morty doing all this, like, you know, Groundhog-style, Groundhog Day-style stuff where he, like, kills himself and does other things. And then he, like, meets the love of his life and they, like, grow up together and then they, like, go in a plane crash in the Arctic and they get rescued and then, like, accidentally he loads again and then he fucks it all up. And then, like, the whole thing is about, like, oh, this thing's a bad idea because you don't have consequences, huh? How about trying to have consequences? But the whole butt of the joke is that he Rick made this thing knowingly so that Morty would fuck it up so that Morty would have to do the vat of acid idea with Rick because he thought it was a terrible idea. Anyway, I really like that episode because, as you say, I think that they acknowledge that this show doesn't have consequences. They don't have consequences for these characters and they know
1: it. Yeah, and, and... I'm not going to lie, you lost me there, but we'll. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> Keep you need a really on. high IQ to listen. Okay. So... <laughs> oh, my God. That's
3: the last time I'm going to mention that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, just 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 go just go
2: <laughs> i think i think i think what uh what michael was touching on earlier is that like as the show has gone out on obviously there's been a lot of as as we had mentioned at the beginning of the episode some people really like the the show and some people really do not i honestly think that like dan Harmon gets off on the hate that he receives like that is why <laughs> yeah. he is making more of these kind of self-aware kind of as michael explained it oh you like that episodes because I genuinely think that that's what he likes about it, and it continues to drive the people who hate the show further away, while it continues to drive the people who like that aspect of it further towards the show. I think I genuinely think that Dan Harmon has no other reason to be doing that, because that's not how the show started. Like I genuinely think that the only reason why he wants to do that is because he thinks it's funny. And honestly, I think it's funny too, so keep going.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie; it slightly bothers me that you think that's a positive quality. <laughs> there you go. See that
2: this is you're yeah. an example of uh, of the group that gets pushed away, and I'm sure we'll have uh, more of a, an in-depth discussion. No, you're getting pushed oh. away. Well,
1: I mean, you are. Well, no, I, I'm not objecting to getting pushed away. I'm objecting to like this this kind of tribalistic. You know, this is the group who likes it, and this is you know the in group and the out group, the people who get it and the people who don't. It's not. Kind of it's thing, not. Right? But it's
2: not about getting it because. You very clearly get it. You just dislike what you're getting. That's, that's yeah. I mean, evidence.
1: look, we, we've, we've been kind of dancing around it for a little while. We mentioned it before we started. Recording. Say it, Iris. I do mean, it. I, I, can I, can I take some time? Let to, it like, out, go. No, no, no. My, yeah, let's, my, my, let's dive, let's dive into this.
2: Let it out, Queen. Let's go.
1: Okay. Well, okay. You know, the, the, the one sentence thing is, I do not think Rick and Morty is a good show. I dislike it. I think there is a lot of problems with it. Uh, And I don't even know what, uh, let's, okay, I will go small to large, how about? I have like three or four things that are kind of in my brain. Mm. Uh, The, the... Okay, the very smallest thing, this is a personal thing more than anything else. There's so much gratuitous gore in the show. That may be great for some people. I find it, like, it's not like it's, you know, repulsive. It's not like I hate watching gore. I don't even have a problem with violence. It's just, like, there's blood and guts on it all the time. Personally, that bugs me. I think it tends to overshadow, like, the narrative content. Uh,
3: I'll agree with that. Yeah, that's fair. I think
1: think they're not a lot. Not as much as, like, some shows that I think are actually seriously problematic, uh, which there are a few examples I could list off. But it happens enough to be bothersome to me to leave a bad taste in my mouth there are times when the show punches down in terms of humor and if you don't know what that term means it basically it's like when you're using humor to make fun of people the kind of rule in comedy is that you're only supposed to make fun of people who are you know, have like power or you know who are who are you know the comfort it's it's you know like the the comfortable people in society you're not supposed to make fun of people who are disenfranchised or don't have a lot of power and There are times when some of the humor, it punches down. It feels mean. It's making fun of people who really just don't deserve to be made fun of. Uh, The the big example I will give is... I don't know the name of the episode. I think it's in season two, but it's the one where like Summer gets trapped on the planet of the gendered stereotypes. Then there's the big hurly think about sex men and the, oh, we're so smart and prissy and we're better than everyone else women. And at the end of it, Rick like convinces all the women of this planet to, you know, stop being dumb, man-hating idiots because, you know, or not Rick, like Summer convinces them to stop hating men because look, this top is really pretty, but it was made by a man. Isn't that so weird? Men can, do, you know, it like it's one example of many, But it's things like that, things that it feels like that episode is trying to dunk on this, like, caricature of, you know, the angry feminist. Uh, We're going, we're getting bigger as we go along here. (laughs) I think the show is really convinced it is a lot more clever than it is. I think the show is very much convinced. That's a hot take (laughs) right there. I like, and don't get me wrong, there are parts of the show that are quite clever but the show itself the way it's written the way it's presented the way sort of the the witticism of the like contrived scenarios and stuff it, it it feels like it's just so convinced that it is the smartest fucking thing to ever grace god's green earth and it's clever it's not that clever i think you talked earlier about how Michael, you said earlier. I think your words were the show is, you know, is fast and clever. I think the show is more fast than it is clever. It has, you know, these like, kind of interesting contrivances, kind of interesting little self-referential plot loops or plot devices or stuff. But it it kind of steamrolls over them. It goes really quickly, so you don't take a second to think, okay, that's kind of cool, and and then move on. Because there's not actually, I think, a lot of substance to when it's being smart, air quotes. And this is the fourth, and this is the hottest take. Ooh. You talked about this is my biggest problem with the show. you talked about like the earlier that the show gets lauded for its philosophy, the philosophical moments, right mm-hmm. And the show the, the the entire kind of premise of the show is founded on this basis of like this cynicism, this nihilism, right Nothing matters. nothing is sacred. you know everything that you love is fake and a lie and I'm just gonna do whatever I want. Nihilism as a philosophy, and if there are any people who, like, have actually seriously deeply studied philosophy, I'm very sorry for how I'm about to butcher this summary. <laughs> Nihilism as a philosophy basically is, you know, it's like, hey, nothing matters, nothing has intrinsic value, so, like, go out in the world and make your own value. Rick and Morty's philosophy is nothing matters, nothing has value, period. Full stop. You know, nothing, nothing is special, nothing is important— other than Rick Sanchez being the smartest fucking guy in the room and being an asshole about it. That's the only thing that has any value in this show. It's the only thing that the show, like, glorifies. That's the only thing that, like, we are supposed to root for is Rick Sanchez being smart and being an asshole. And it's just exhausting. It feels empty. It feels like there's not really any, like, interior to the show. It feels like we're just supposed to... You know, watch Rick Sanchez run around and be an asshole to all these caricatures of, you know, dumb, shallow idiots and feel smart and also feel alone. And I are, like, are, you know, clearly we're not supposed to like him, even though everyone, it seems like who watches this show, like idolizes him as a god you know the every, show every, even in the... I, I don't i don't think everyone oh we'll we'll, we'll definitely talk yeah about... the fan the fan base is a separate thing yeah, yeah I'll, I'll steer away from that yeah, yeah, yeah. but just the, the 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 premise of the show feels like it just has a lot of nothing to say and there's just not i don't really see like any value to the story inside of it it's just a bunch of people being awful to each other anyway right. that's that's my take and i know i'm gonna have to defend it so please i know you have a lot to say
3: I'm going to respond. First of all, I obviously don't I can't speak for like the entire audience nor even Marcus, but Marcus correct me when I get it wrong. But what I will say, first of all to your second point, I actually do agree and with the with the whole punching down thing, it's it's worse because it, when it does happen, it doesn't work. Cuz I think that like necessarily for a joke to be bad, it has to be bad intrinsically as well. And and punching down makes it worse, but it also compounds on itself if that makes sense so i ultimately agree with you i like I, I again i haven't watched all the episodes so like i haven't seen evidence of that myself but i i, I trust you to you know yeah and that like, in particular.
1: i think that point my, what i was saying was it happens often enough to leave a bad taste in my mouth but it's not constant it's not the sure. whole show because if it right. were the whole show that would be my biggest complaint right um and so for your third point i actually think your third point
3: relates to the fourth point in a sense because and i have gonna i'm gonna sound fucking like I'm going to sound like the biggest douchebag on here. Oh Earth, boy. But going
2: to sound high IQ.
0: <laughs>
3: no, I think that for me, this show feels very Brechtian. Sorry, what? So, Sorry. The first Brecht is, um, I, I forgot his nationality, but he was a This is a really playwright. galaxy brain
1: take and I'm going to need a minute here.
3: <laughs> he was a playwright who intentionally made his audience aware that they were watching or viewing a work of fiction as in to say that like he would, you know, break the fourth wall, he would actively like make sure that like outside influences actually occurred on stage and interrupted the immersion of the play to in, in order to promote the fact that what they were viewing wasn't immersive but rather ref, like reflective if that makes any well, sense. His his there? very
1: his very famous quote and this perhaps is a quick summary of his kind of Yeah legacy uh his very famous quote goes like art is not a mirror to be held up to reality but a hammer with which to shape it right Right. he wasn't about like you know there is reality and then there's art and they're separate and they just kind of look like each other it's like art changes the world around us
3: right and for me at least i i think that there's an element of brecht in this show in the sense that i would agree with you completely if they never broke the fourth wall or had any meta commentary whatsoever it would be a terrible show. But I think what the meta-commentary adds is it puts Rick in a different light where, again, as you say, we're not supposed to idolize him. That being said, I do disagree with anyone who thinks that Rick is supposed to be idolized. I think that if anyone doesn't get this show, they're the people that don't get this show. Right? You I, stole but, the
1: words out of my mouth like that I was going to say later. The right. Great and irony so of- I'm
3: not saying that... You have to like... You have to idolize Rick in order to like the show. I do no, think... No, absolutely not. I think that they're, you're meant to not idolize him. And in that way, when I see it through that lens, that's why I really like the show.
2: And, and the other thing that I'll add very quickly to that is that, as I had mentioned before, I think Harmon and Royland eat that shit up. I yeah. think they love it when people idolize rick because they are missing that so clear message that they are trying to parrot that rick is trash like rick is legitimately the worst character on this show to like to look up towards because even though he's smart like his his attitude about you know oh you know nothing matters in the universe literally makes him pathetic like it makes morty look better than him because morty actually has like like passion and things to live for when he goes on these like that's the that's the clear message and if you don't get that then i'm not gonna say that you're low iq but like goddamn like how often does this show have to try and hammer this into your head before you understand that like that's what they're trying to tell you like rick is not cool he's not
1: but here's the thing about that. I like. I absolutely see that as the intention behind the show. I absolutely see that as kind of this driving idea. I don't think the way they write this show commits to that. Let's let me raise as another example a show like BoJack Horseman, right? You know, kind of similar vein, animated, you know, adult swim esque show, right? A bunch of characters who are awful and are awful to each other a bunch. But on that show. That show actually delves into, like, why these characters are awful to each other. Like, what shit happened to them? What awful things they've been through that got them to this place where they're awful people? They have consequences for the shitty things that they do to each other. And you see them try, and sometimes fail, sometimes succeed, but you see them try to, like, work on the shitty things. We don't get anything like that with Rick. There are never any consequences for the shitty things he does. There are never any, like... There's never any kind of personal reckoning that he does with himself. I mean, sure, we have, we see scenes of him, of his depression, right? And his alcoholism. Like, we see scenes of him clearly being, like, in a great deal of, like, personal, emotional pain. But there's never any... It, it's so small. It's so, like, unconnected to the rest of everything he does. This is kind of, I guess, what I'm saying when it feels like the show is empty. Like, with, if you have this idea, like, yeah, you could be the smartest man in the fucking planet, but... If you're, you know, if you don't have any values, if you don't care about anyone or anything, you're still going to be miserable. That's a really great fucking idea to underpin a show on. And if they actually, like, committed to having Rick, like, suffer, you know, go through hard stuff because of his terribleness, then it would feel like that message actually had any weight to it. But instead, it feels like. You know, it, it it's a bunch of Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland like, having fun being like, oh, look at this. He's clever, and by extension, we are clever. Look at how smart we are. Look at how smart he is. Yeah, he's an asshole. Don't look up to him, but we have fun being clever and being smart. Nothing matters. We're going to take a shit all over everything that you think matters. We're so smart. Well, That's what it, it feels like to me.
2: What I think about this, and I, Bojack Horseman is one of the shows that I would like to discuss on this show. A little further down the line, but what I think is interesting about Bojack Horseman is because these characters try, they are better. They are good. I think I think your your previous you know kind of assertion that they are awful people and do awful things to each other is counteracted by the fact that they try to be better, and sometimes they succeed at being better, which inherently makes it so that the watcher feels like they can relate to that.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. That's that's and what I'm saying.
2: What I'm saying is Harman and Royland said, "Nah, we don't need to do that." They they inha- they intentionally made most of their characters terrible, and they continue to write them as terrible characters without any chance of trying to get better. Because that I think is where they like to have those characters written.
1: But I'm, I'm not saying the characters like have to try and like work on their flaws. What I'm saying is that they neither try to work on their flaws nor do they suffer any consequences for those flaws. Oh, the show Nothing is just bad. not written
2: to focus on the consequences of those flaws. I think I don't. I don't think. I don't think like Rick's ongoing depression, as you know, slowly as it's build, being built up through these last couple of seasons. I don't think that's anywhere near a central point uh, that Harmon and Royland want to touch on. I
1: think. But they just... but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like the argument that like oh you're not supposed to like Rick. He's supposed to be an asshole. You know, he's supposed to be someone that you you dislike. I think that argument doesn't have a lot of weight behind it because nothing ever comes of him being an asshole. Well, being think, an asshole I gets think, him everything but, that good that happens to him.
2: I think the problem is that you're you want that you want that consequence. As you, you as the watcher wants want that consequence to happen, I don't feel the need to see it honestly. And I think that's that's another reason why there is kind of a divided fan base and Alex I'll hand it back to you so you can get us back on track. But um, there are a lot of personal choices made by Harmon and roland in this show that you know as as many people as iris has very clearly like shown doesn't sit well with people you know it just doesn't and some people are just going to dislike the show and i think it makes for very good discussion when we have the chance to kind of touch on those things
1: yeah and like just to be clear you know to to y'all as well as to our listeners i'm not saying that the show is like bad in an objective sense i mean clearly all of this i mean especially when we're talking about like the philosophy behind the show and sort of the 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 narrative construction of these things and the messages that you're sending along with your stories like clearly this is all very subjective stuff you know we're really getting in the weeds of like the the like deep reading of of the 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 work right uh but yeah no i i mean and i i think there 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 very definitely is there are valid points on both sides. You know, like, I think I think both of us, both of the things, the, the sides here are, like, totally based in, in valid arguments. I think a lot of it really does come down to, like, what people look for in this kind of media, what people look for in the stories that they're consuming, what they find important about those stories.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I listening to both of you, Uh, both Iris and Marcus, both of your points, I do see where each of you are coming from. And I, I mean, (laughs) this area of uh, the animated sphere is one that I don't have a lot of experience with. I don't watch adult swim shows, but I I really like the points that both of you brought up and I can definitely see each side of this argument, like for Rick and Morty or against Rick and Morty. Uh, I do want, uh, Sort of segueing into a topic I do want to cover is the uh, the critical acclaim that Rick and Morty has. It's undoubtedly reached uh, an enormous audience uh, across all different like walks in life. I mean, Rick and Morty is a household name at this point, right? And from that, there have been how do I say this? Some interesting events that have stemmed from the fan base of Rick and Morty. And I think it's just... This is my personal hot take on it. I feel like for the same reasons that we just discussed, Rick being a bad person, Rick being like the the quote-unquote smartest person in the universe. Oh, look at him. Look at how great he is, blah, blah, blah. I think that character attracts all of the, for lack of a better term, edgelords out there to uh, flock around. It's like the same with like the Jokers and uh, what else? What other sort of like antagonistic characters are there that I'm missing? But it, it, it involves that kind of crowd. And I wanted to talk about that sort of side of the Rick and Morty fan base. The ones that you mentioned, Marcus, doesn't get it. Doesn't get the fact that they shouldn't be idolizing rick
1: yeah i mean i i think the point about you know these are the fans who don't like understand the show is actually really key because you know if you take just the show at face value right just kind of what is going on who these characters are you you know you don't read critically into the framing of the story at all like what you get is the story about You know, this man, Rick Sanchez, the smartest person in any room he happens to walk into, surrounded by a bunch of caricatures of idiots, you know, uh, weak-willed or vapid or just downright stupid, you know, all around him, who, you know, wanders through the world alone because no one can hope to measure up to his intellect and, you know, no one can hope to, you know, match him in any way shape or form and he's just is, is lonely and constantly you know arguing and being rude to other people and that's the and and in those people minds in these people's minds those are all good qualities right it's people who who like this part of the fan base is the people who unironically see themselves that way as the smartest person in the room and no one else gets me in. If everyone else was just not so stupid, the world would be fine. And I'm not going to get along with anyone because everyone is so dumb because I'm the smartest person in the room kind of personality.
3: I will add that like, I, I think that w- what you said was exactly right. And I would add that it's almost like, not necessarily that those people f- view those things as good characteristics, but rather as characteristics m- m- of themselves.
1: Right. Exactly. As exactly. Say, like, people who like, see themselves. Yeah, that's me. The, yeah.
3: And like, that—that's the thing about—that's uh, the thing about Rick for me, at least. That's—that's that's really interesting. Is the fact that, like, I—I I think that it's a combination of how it. Okay. It's 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 like you're trying. It's like you're misunderstanding sarcasm, right? It's like you're trying very hard to say exactly the opposite of what you're trying to say. But they don't get it, amplified by the popularity of the show. I think that if the show obviously wasn't as popular, we wouldn't like there wouldn't be incidents that you know McDonald's or whatever. (laughs) So it's like it's it's a combination for me at least that like this show is so wildly popular, plus the fact that this one character is trying so hard, or at least sorry, the writers are trying so hard to portray this character in a negative way that people are gonna miss the point. I think that inevitably and not necessarily with every show but like with with a lot of shows people will miss the point of characters and of stories. However, I will say I will agree with you Iris to a certain extent that Royland and Harmon they exacerbate the issue like wholeheartedly. Oh, absolutely. Like they know and they think it's funny. And the people who get it, I think, to a certain extent, also think it's a little funny. And so they play off of it.
2: Like, so it's it like might...
3: it's like a positive feedback loop.
2: What I think is interesting is that, you know, they wrote every other character besides Rick and Morty to be pathetic and definitely not, like, enviable by any means. Jerry is... Uh Jerry, Jerry is a doorman and Beth has many issues. But what about
3: uh, Mr. Poopy Butthole? He's Mr. Poopy Best.
2: Butthole is funny, but and you know, I mean, he karate got hurt, chopped a couple right? of college kids. He also did get shot, so you're yeah. not necessarily wanting to be I mean, even the name, like why would you want to associate <laughs> with yourself with someone who's named Mr. Poopy Butthole? Oh, like why yeah. would you want like like every other character is written to be trash just so that it drives people to be like, oh, you know, if I am also very socially bad, but think that I'm very smart, who else am I supposed to, you know, relate to besides Rick? Like,
1: there is um, there is because you know, there's the various like kind of the laws of the internet. If you you know, it's like um, <laughs> the rules, like you mean. like the well, no, not the not the rules. It's the oh, it's things okay. like you know Godwin's law or like you know oh, whatever. Sure. Uh, And I don't remember whose law this is of the internet, but it basically states that if you have a community that is kind of founded around satire and sarcasm and saying one thing and not really meaning it eventually you're going to attract a critical mass of people who don't understand that you're being satirical. And then all the people who are being satirical are going to be driven out by people who think that you were being serious the entire time. And that's That's what this this toxic portion of the fan base is. It's people who think that they are being 100% serious the entire time.
3: You nailed. And I mean, and we've we've done know. all
1: this discussion about like the toxic fanbase, and we haven't even actually talked about any of the things that have happened. Ah, I <laughs> the, wait, wait, but, I a, mean, I don't I know. I don't know funny, the full but... list. All all I know is like the McDonald's
0: incident with the Szechuan sauce and like yelling on pickle Rick or something. Is there what other things have happened thanks to Rick and Morty? Anything else we can remember?
1: oh gosh i mean i'm i'm certainly not the person to like list this off the top of my head the the whole like mcdonald's szechuan sauce and people going absolutely fucking nuts and like assaulting mcdonald's workers is a big one i mean there's like however many examples of like harassment online and you know bullying and doxing people you want to list i mean it's it's This is it's this this kind of like real world consequences that are the reason that I find it hard to sympathize with, you know, uh Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland for intentionally feeding the flames. You know, they uh, think it's funny, but there are like real consequences. I will to say, this shit. I
3: will say that Dan Harmon personally, uh, like tr- he tries to distance himself from the Seth <laughs> on stuff, saw stuff. Like I-, I watched, I watched an interview uh with him. About like you know all the Rick and Morty stuff, and by the end, literally like it shows on the screen like he did not comment on the Sichuan stuff because I think that he knows that it's gone too far at that point, right? I, I again, I don't want to, I don't want to try and like you know elevate Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland to these like comedic gods or whatever, but like I think they know, and you know it, it's rough. I I do think that like obviously I haven't heard anything personally or like I don't follow him on Twitter or anything but like you know if if he is like denounced any of that stuff I feel like I would appreciate that if not then that's kind of disappointing but you know
1: I mean cuz personally and this may be me being cynical but like you have to wonder if that's not more just because at a certain point it becomes bad press rather than I mean, actually I mean to, you know, I mean that's fair I, I think that you know from in the it, consequences
3: in an, in an entertainment industry bad press and kind of not liking it not necessarily are always the case, but like they can kind of go hand in hand. So it's it's hard to you know.
1: Right, him. and it's impossible for us to sit here and actually yeah. like know his intentions. Yeah, but like you have to wonder, right?
3: I mean, I will say that like I think watching a lot of the interviews with Harmon and Worland about Rick and Morty, like I like obviously as Marcus said, like the, like they do, they do like this, they do love this stuff. They do like love a, a lot of what the audience does, but at the same time, I I do think that like. They're really good at what they do. Uh, I I I'm talking about pickle Rick now. <laughs> I I watched an interview with him talking about pickle Rick, and he and he talked about his like the process for doing that. And literally, I, it was either Roland or Harmon, but someone was just like, Rick turned himself into a pickle, and then Harmon was like, "Okay, how do we make an episode of that?" And so they 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 built everything right the sort of therapy session that they that the family was going to and why rick would want to turn himself into a pickle and and like they built all of that around the concept of pickle rick and he mentions this one episode of breaking bad that I actually I didn't watch but uh, I thought it was pointed. that like in that episode is an episode where you take everything about rick away all this stuff, all his techniques and like, what does he become? Who is he? Right. And so, you know, he's a pickle, but he's still the sort of mad genius thing. And so we see all of that in, in the episode. And I really appreciated that because it's not like it's, it's like, you know, it wasn't intentional that he made a meme birth out of his, his thoughts. He like came up with like a, a bit, a pickle and, and, develop like an interesting episode around it and so that's what i would say that like obviously you can't entirely separate the creators of a show from the community and fan base of it but i do think that there is some amount of distance that we can give a
1: little bit just a little bit not a lot but a little bit Yeah, they're not sicking people on mcdonald's (laughs) right sure i mean i think what you're talking about honestly to me more resonates is like saying that they're good storytellers. Right. And like they, they are good storytellers. Like there's, there's, there's a lot of like good storytelling in Rick and Morty. I don't dispute that. I think the show is, you know, well-crafted. I think my complaints with it are more about like the story it's choosing to tell rather than like the way it chooses to tell it. I don't know. There's just like, I, I think to a certain extent I, it's not like i'm trying to say that like you know dan harmon and justin Roiland are like personally responsible for the actions of their fan base but like definitely as we've been talking about the show the content they make informs you know the people who rally around it and vice versa the fan base of a show definitely does impact the experience of watching it and i think it's important to talk about like with a a fan base that is toxic in the way that rick and morty's is or that that the talk you know with a fan base that has toxic portions like rick and morty does you know with the the just like the fanaticism this sort of you know like worshiping the characters uh, you know trying to emulate their you know worst qualities in real life the, the rampant sexism the the rampant ableism the doxing the you know the the craze with the whole mcdonald's bullshit like it's worth, like, pointing out, like, hey, these are, like, real things. Where are these things coming from? What is, like, gathering all these things into these communities? What about this story, like, grabs this common element? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and I think I think we did touch on that a little bit, uh, of, the, of the fact that people who are, who take Rick, like, seriously, start to gravitate towards that. Like, like I said, they are, like, the Joker worshippers, the... "Quote unquote," edge things like that. But yeah, it's it's an unfortunate part of this uh, fan base—the fact that we even have to talk about this in the first place, and that they've happened at all. But I mean, again, like we've said, with a show this large uh, and with such far-reaching influence, there are always going to be like the fanatics. There are always going to be the bad apples, and that's not to say that all all Rick and Morty fans are those Szechuan sauce screaming people. It's just the, those people definitely stand out the most. I do want to quickly, quickly touch on, um, another part of the cultural impact that Rick and Morty has had, which is their influence on pretty much like the 2015 through 2020 meme space, uh, on the internet, and also just talking about the humor of the show because I don't think we touched on it, but I I really, I, I do think that this show is funny. There there were moments where I laughed out loud at the show and I think that a lot of these moments have been distilled and brought into the meme sphere. So I wanted to get uh, for, just as a sort of cap on our discussion here, um, what what do you guys think about the humor of this show and also the memes that have sprung from it? I do think some of them are a little too oft repeated, AKA the pickle Rick meme. Um, (laughs) But there, but I do like most of it.
3: Yeah. uh, Just to share a personal story that I actually shared with everyone else before the podcast. But uh, I had no idea that that song at the end of uh, Rick potion nine and the episode in season three fun atlantis whatever was what called mix up, yeah. rick Atlantis. um i had no idea that was from the show that like uh what did you call it you said it's called the evil morty song marcus yeah yeah and and it's like i wrote okay because you know i'm a i was a viner <laughs> <laughs> not really but you know rest in peace R. but um R. that shit was everywhere holy shit and, like you couldn't get away from it and i was like I don't know where this is coming from. Might like, like many things on Vine. I'm like, I have no idea where this is coming from. I think it's funny, but yeah, it definitely had an impact, especially with the sort of like uh, the social media outlets at the time, like Vine and definitely stuff on YouTube and stuff. Um, I I'd, I'd like to comment on the on the comedy stuff that like I think you know as I said at the beginning, like I don't think that there were def- there were moments where like I laughed out loud a lot. I think there were moments when I chuckled at the cleverness of it and you know it's like it's a show that thinks it's 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 uh, more clever than it is potentially but i do think that there are moments where i'm like oh i see what they did there or like that was really funny but like it's like the sort of like when you type out lol instead of actually laughing out loud yeah that's that's exactly it and so to be fair like i i don't like i wasn't looking for a show for me to like actually laugh out loud so I didn't mind that, but I could definitely see if someone was like actually looking for like a, like a, like an actually funny show, right? I don't think that at least for me, that this is an actually funny show. It's like an implied <laughs> funny show or something, you know, to that extent, but
1: I don't know. I think that's a really, that's really close to how I feel about it. Cause like, you know, the show is clever, but it's not like, oh my God, that's the smartest thing and I never expected it. And how do they even possibly think of it? Kind of clever. Yeah. It's the, oh, huh oh, that, that's, that's yeah. kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's like that level of clever. Yeah. I think the show, I mean, definitely does have some good humor in it. Uh, I mean, for me, I, I talked a bit about how some of the humor, you know, I find uh, like not great, but the parts that are funny, like they are funny. I think the whole, the phenomenon of some of the memes getting, you know, like repeated to death you know beating a dead horse level repetition i mean specifically you mentioned the the pickle rick meme that you just hear everywhere and it's just so tired to be fair,
3: i haven't actually heard it that recently but
1: yeah i think it's i think it's been dying down yeah, i think it's been, been, been dying done. down what but like at its <laughs> at its peak you you could not go for more yeah. than like 10 minutes without seeing another one of them the point being i think that kind of this the hyper repetition this oh my god it's the funniest shit i've ever seen wow <laughs> wow I think that, too, comes from, you know, this portion of the fan base who really buys into the show's kind of persona that it, you know, it, this, this self-aggrandized, you know, image of this is the smart show for smart people and it's really clever and it does these really smart things. The people who, like, buy into that 100% are like, yeah, this is so smart and clever and funny and just repeat it all over much more than the actual, like, humor content bears repeating
3: I I will say the points in time where those memes have made me laugh are the times where they've done like they've done a Rick and Morty to those where they do it ironically. And then that's again, that's the problem with the internet. Irony is lost. And so as soon as anything gets out there, like people are like they start to believe in they start to believe it's 100% serious and so like the irony that was originally there that was funny turns into seriousness and then just it it gets and that's
1: another one of the laws of the internet that one I actually do remember the name of it's Poe's law and it basically (laughs) states if you're being ironic or satirical unless you explicitly state that you are being ironic or satirical there will be (laughs) a lot of people and unfortunate frightening amount of people who think that you're being 100% sincere who are these internet Saints, these like I don't know. It's just like, <laughs> who's Poe? I don't know. <laughs> I I have no idea. It's like just random or... <laughs> <laughs> No Poe with an E, like Edgar oh. Allan Poe.
2: <laughs> Wait, Edgar Allan Poe existed at the same time as the internet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how on earth? Wait, if you thought it was P O Poe, how did you think of Teletubbies before Kung Fu Panda? I,
3: I haven't seen Kung Fu Panda in a
2: while. Teletubbies so. did come first. That is true. I know,
1: but like.
3: I grew up on that shit. Me too. I, 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 oh, anyway, I, I, anyway, anyway, right. anyway fair anyway, enough. Anyway, <laughs> the,
2: the last thing that I'll say, and this will kind of rope in a little bit of the social commentary in the way that I like to enjoy the show is I want to highlight two particular episodes. One of them is uh, Rick Shank Redemption, which is the first episode of season three. That's for a very short um, summary. Rick breaks out of jail and you know, basically returns to the world after being gone. Uh, and Morty and summer also try and save him and then the other one I want to highlight is the one that Michael mentioned earlier uh, Ricklantis mixup which is the one uh, where President Morty becomes president Morty and there's kind of a lot of side plots that happen as that goes um so like Rick shank redemption has like fart jokes it has like, Rick continuously killing himself before, after, like, yeah. transferring into different bodies. Like, that kind of humor is the kind of humor that I, like, laughed out loud at just because, you know, obviously I'm immature and generally just, you know, laugh at fart <laughs> jokes. But, like, it's just a lot of very fast-paced, stupid, like funny things happening jerry crawling like all the way back to his house literally had me like in fits because <laughs> yes. i could not understand that. just like beth like i could not understand how jerry was able to like in this backwards universe be able to succeed and not die but like that's contrasted very heavily with the kind of humor in uh rick lantis where you know there's an obese cop morty who has mm-hmm. a very clear kind of you know anti-morty sentiment which is very similar like it's it's a completely obvious allegory to racist issues in the in the united states you know there's an investigator that is shot and killed um after trying to uncover this you know corruption which kind of you know foreshadowed a lot of things that happened in the american political sphere like that kind of humor you know when it's on the screen you know it's it's the kind of humor that's, like, funny and sad, where it's, like, you you see it happen, and you, it's obviously very character... You know, car, car, caricatured? I
1: don't yeah, know how to...
2: You got it. Caricaturized? Yeah. Um, where it's obviously, you know, much more kind of overblown than it actually is in reality, but it is still an allegory to reality. And, like, I find both of that funny, but I think I find the latter more enjoyable to watch because I think it's... It does show that there is good direction behind the show there there are gems of episodes where this is at the forefront as opposed to in the background that i enjoy the most and i tried to kind of channel that when i recommended episodes for everyone else in the group to watch um but i was explaining before like we started uh recording that in one of the episodes in scene four, they make a very blatant 9-11 joke that I was, I was disgusted at. Like, that was just way too far. Like, that's kind of what Iris was touching on about punching down. You know, some things you shouldn't touch. You really shouldn't. And if you really do want to attempt to go for those jokes, like, you're going to be fighting a very steep uphill battle and you're almost never going to succeed with everybody. And that's just, you know, sometimes that happens. But... I think overall, like the, the way that the humor is, it's multifaceted, I think, in this show. And I think there are a lot of ways that the humor is conveyed to the audience, both in ways that it breaks the fourth wall and ways that it's just kind of stupid humor and, you know, ways that is more kind of in the background. I enjoy kind of how complex it is at make, trying to make me laugh. Because as Michael had mentioned, you know, a lot of the show is Harmon and Royland talking to the audience, being like, you like this? And my best response is when I'm like, yeah, I do. And I laugh at it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right, folks. Well, that'll do it for us. Thank you so much for listening to our episode on Rick and Morty. This week's animated YouTube video that you could find uh, is... Well, I couldn't really find anything quite like Rick and Morty that would embody what we just talked about. So I opted for... uh, A light one to kind of cleanse your palate, but it is uh, from Worthy Kids, uh, who we've had, I've recommended a video of his before, but it is called Witches on Tinder. It is hilarious. Go watch it. But once again, thank you so much for listening, folks, and you will hear from us next week. Bye bye. Goodbye. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.